This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Hope you're okay. It's Wednesday, October the 6th, and we're going to start with news that a Folkestone man who posted a racist video on Facebook after England's defeat to Italy in the final of Euro 2020 has walked free from court. This is what Bradford Pretty said following the penalty shootout in July. Obviously, we have taken out the offensive language. Where do I start? Where do I start? Um, yeah, sick gutted like all of us <sighs> proper deflated be proud of the boys be proud but anyone and everyone that knows me well will understand what I'm talking about three lines on a shirt right how many times have we seen England players take penalties for us and up. Three lines, three. Well, Kent Police received a referral from the National Football Policing Unit after the video was linked to an address in the county. They'd been investigating after England players Bukayo Saka, Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford were racially abused after missing penalties. The 50-year-old plasterer from Guildhall Street pleaded guilty at Folkestone Magistrates earlier. He was given a 50-day sentence suspended for a year and told to do 200 hours of unpaid work. Our reporter Rhys Griffiths spoke to him outside court. Yeah, I just wanted to say it was an embarrassment of myself to do that. Anyone that knows me, my friends and that... <clears throat> I'm not a racist. It was just purely heightened with the with the with the England tournament. I was very drunk. Um, that's all I can say. I'm very sorry. Yeah. And would you uh, apologise to the players who you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. They had a good tournament. I think yeah, they the had a brilliant was tournament. Proud of what England did. You know, 50 years I've been waiting for my country to win the tournament. I thought it was coming home. Um, it wasn't down to them boys. That, you know, they just. Uh, they played their arts out. Let's just hope we can win it in the World Cup. That's all. I apologise. Thank you. Kent Online News. Other news today in the parents of a baby who died following a medical emergency at a nursery in Ashford say he was their world. Nine-month-old Oliver Steeper died last Wednesday following an incident at Jelly Beans Day Nursery. The site's been closed because of serious safeguarding concerns and Ofsted are investigating. The dad of a motorcyclist who was killed in a crash at the Dartford Crossing says he's lost his best friend, his life and his son. Former Swanley Rugby Club player Keith Ashburn died after colliding with a lorry in one of the tunnels on Monday. His dad Derek has paid tribute, saying he's never been prouder, while friends have described him as fearless and a great guy. A Folkestone man's gone on trial accused of killing a three-year-old girl after she refused to eat her lunch. A court's heard Paul Marsh was looking after the toddler when he became angry and may have thrown her onto her bed. She was taken to hospital with a serious head injury but died on Christmas Eve in 2019. The 27-year-old from Sangate denies manslaughter and cruelty to a child. Opposition parties believe an independent inquiry into the systemic failures which contributed to a serving police officer from Kent murdering Sarah Everard 
isn't robust enough. Home Secretary Priti Patel announced the two-part review yesterday, but Labour and the SNP say it lacks legal power. The non-statutory inquiry will look at 48-year-old Wayne Cousins from Deal's behaviour, as well as wider issues across policing. These women have been telling us what they think. It has to be done, because what is going on is outrageous. Any sort of inquiry to further, you know, make sure that everyone is safer would be a good thing to do. I don't see any anything that could change the way I feel when I walk home in the evening. The Kent Online Podcast with Blue Butterfly, Earl Street Maidstone. Now, it might not quite be the weather to go swimming in the sea, but anyone who normally does still brave the water is being told not to at 14 beaches in Kent. It's after wastewater was released into the sea around Thanet. It follows heavy rain over recent days. We've been speaking to Thanet Council leader Ash Ashby. I can't tell you how sad and disappointed I am as leader of this council and also on behalf of the residents of Thanet that I'm having to stand here yet again having this conversation. Um, Over the last two months, uh, there's been a lot of dialogue between Southern Water, myself and uh, and the members, the elected members of Thanet District Council. Um, I believe this incident is a schoolboy error. Operationally, you should never be left without any power supply. Um, I was assured that resilience had been built into all the pumping stations and I do not regard this as uh, actually an excusable failure on behalf of Southern Water. The residents love the area that they live in and that's why they live here. Southern Water, um, even by my rough maths, get about two million pounds a month from residents um, paying their bills to Southern Water. Maybe uh, a gesture from Southern Water would be that they would uh, like to refund a monthly payment to to all the residents of Thanet to demonstrate that they are committed to this and they are truly sorry about yet another incident that has occurred. Southern Water are investigating. You can see the full list of areas affected at Kent Online. Plus, you can see a full report on this story on KMTV from 5.30. An inquest has heard serial killer Stephen Port was obsessed with messaging men on hookup sites. The 46-year-old will spend the rest of his life in jail for murdering four of his victims, including 21-year-old Daniel Whitworth from Gravesend. Their bodies were dumped near his flat in Barking in East London. The hearings are examining whether the investigations into their murders were adequate. A vote on whether 27,000 new homes should be built in Medway will now not go ahead. Councillors were due to be asked to approve the town's new local plan, setting out housing and development needs up to 2037, which included the redevelopment of Chatham Docks. But bosses have pulled it from tomorrow's full council meeting following concerns the proposal was incomplete and flawed. Details have been revealed meantime about plans to build 2,500 homes in Faversham. The royal estate headed up by Prince Charles is behind plans for the new development on 320 acres of farmland between Salters Lane and the Brenley Corner Junction. It would also include a new primary school, cricket pitch, shops and business spaces. And one of the UK's biggest solar farms could be created on the outskirts of Canterbury. Enso Energy want to build on farmland an area the size of 125 football pitches between Hoth and Chislet. People living nearby have already said they're against the proposal, saying it would scar the countryside. The company has been approached for a comment. Kent Online reports. A Kent family say 
they've been waiting almost a year for repairs to their house in Gravesend following a fire. The blaze broke out last November, leaving the rear of the property on Jubilee Crescent badly damaged. Council bosses say it's down to difficulties in staff getting to the property and the areas where work is needed. A former Kent teacher who died of asbestos-related cancer is thought to have contracted it while working in schools. 75-year-old Elizabeth Murphy developed mesothelioma and passed away at her home in Whitstable last year. Now, her relatives are trying to contact former colleagues to find out how she may have been exposed to the material, which has been banned from being used in Britain since 1999. More than 70,000 homes in Kent are at risk of flooding, and the search is on for more volunteer flood wardens. Their job is to help anyone who's at risk be prepared and know what to do in an emergency. They'd also be the link between the community and emergency services if flooding did occur. Jenny Newham from the Environment Agency says they need to recruit around 700 volunteers. The Environment Agency and the Kent Resilience Forum are putting a call of a call to action out for volunteers to come forward and train to be flood wardens. We need more. We've got thousands of properties at risk across the county. You know, flood wardens play such a vital role in the community in helping them to prepare for flooding. So um, we need lots more in the county than we've got and because there's lots of properties at risk of flooding. We're in the middle of a climate emergency, so Maidstone is our second highest area in terms of number of properties, but uh, Tunbridge, two and a half thousand, and across the county there are pockets of, you know, anything from a hundred properties at risk right up to that two and a half thousand. Andrew Cowell is from the Fenbell Inn in All Hallows, which has suffered from several floods in recent years. Lost all the tables, chairs and, and carpets and flooring and everything's quite a lot of damage. There was a, an almost a £15,000 bill to pick up. I was very lucky. We had a GoFundMe page that helped us. It's traumatising. My wife has, has not got over it. She is suffering from severe depression and uh, anxiety attacks and we're struggling to get her out of our our house and we're now talking five six seven eight months down the line i can't say that i don't go to bed when the rains when it's raining hard and don't think oh my god i hope that don't come back and that will take years to get over you know unfortunately all these things are reactive not proactive so we are not looking at how to get these problems sorted we are reacting to a problem but by then it's too late you've lost your livelihood you've lost your house and all the rest of it my advice would be is if you think you're going to get flooded move your stuff upstairs and try and protect what you can a virtual training session for flood wardens is taking place this evening Kent Online reports. At Kent Online, you can see the moment two cars in Medway had their rear windows smashed. They were parked on a driveway in High Halstow when two men targeted the vehicles. Police have released CCTV footage and are hoping the video will help identify the suspects. There's a warning not to remove offensive stickers after razor blades were found under some near Sevenoaks. Hateful messages were stuck onto a bus shelter near a school in Dunton Green, with more also reported in Chatham. Residents being urged to report it to the police and not try to take them down themselves. The first Amazon four-star store outside the US has opened in Kent. It's a blue water and gives shoppers the chance to buy top-rated products or ones that are trending online. It comes just months after the company opened a £205 million warehouse near the Dartford Crossing. A marathon swimmer from Australia has arrived in Kent ahead of an attempt to beat the record for the number of channel swims by one person. Chloe McArdle completed her first channel swim in 2009 and is hoping to finish her 40,000 
43rd and 44th over the next couple of weeks. She's one of the greatest marathon swimmers of all time and already holds the record for the longest unassisted ocean swim. She's been telling Ish it won't be easy though. There's a lot of complex things it takes to swim the English Channel, a lot of moving parts, huge amount of logistics. So I train a lot in Australia in the pool, just like an international level swimmer that competes in the Olympics. I do that mileage. I do that intensity training, the commitment, the focus. But I also do a lot of cold water swimming outdoors, which is not something that pool swimmers do. And that's really mentally tough, physically tough, swimming in water 10 to 15 Celsius, which basically my body is fighting against the cold because the cold water is trying to induce well, the cold water doesn't try and do anything, it's water. But what it does is it induces hypothermia. So the more training I do in cold water, then the better my body is prepared to swim in the English Channel, which, as you can imagine, is a very cold and inhospitable swim. Yeah, just talk us through that. How challenging is it when you're out there finding the water? Yeah, the English Channel has so many different days. It, it has days where it's, it's you know average and then days where it's absolutely horrid to try and cross. For example, my last crossing last year, so I did six crossings last year. My last one was in late October and there was like uh, rain at 45 degrees for half of my swim. The air temperature was super cold because it was late autumn. The water temperature was really cold. It was was overcast nearly the whole swim. And so I definitely was hypothermic, but I had to keep swimming because the only way to get to France is stroke by stroke. So I had to stay in the water. And then you fight that internal messages, those dialogues. It's like, get out of the water or you don't like this or this is uncomfortable. So I fought through all those messages, kept going um, and went to the other side. So when the water and air temperature is cold, that's the most challenging thing for me. It's not the waves. It's not the jellyfish shipping lanes. It's not the strong tide. It's not the distance of 34 kilometres for me. It's that real and ever-present threat and sometimes actual hypothermia. And also, having done it so many times, does it become also more of a mental battle to overcome? Well, for me, single crossings are a 10 to 12 hour swim. So the mental challenge usually is not super hard unless it's a very cold day and I'm getting hypothermia. But when I do double crossings, which literally means I get into England, swim all the way to France, which is 34 kilometres, get out get straight back in the water and swim back to England, so a total of 68 kilometres. That mental challenge is really, really tough and I have to go some places that I would never go in normal life. And basically I'm fighting for survival because the monotony is so extreme. It's like being in what I imagine to be in solitary confinement, like your body, your mind is just turning on itself and and then that hypothermia I'm fighting, which affects my brain because my brain's like, get out. This is this is inhumane. This is wrong. You're dying. Get out. So the double crossings are really hard. And the triple crossing, I was the first person in 25 years to do three laps of the English Channel nonstop. That's 36 hours in 2015. And that physical and mental pain was something that I can't even describe to you. I can tell you I was very happy when it was done. But the single crossings to me are now a little bit more routine because I've done over. The over 35 single crossings. So it is really like, um, actually, it's a, bit, it's a bit like Groundhog Day. I'm like, hmm, I've been here before. 
the whole thing is a bit like Groundhog Day now. At Kent Online, you can see a video of the MP for Tombridge and Morling dancing with Michael Gove at the Tory party conference. Tom Tugendhat paired up with the Housing Secretary during the event in Manchester. There's been a mixed reaction to the footage, with some calling it deeply disturbing. Believe you me, you will never not see it. And at Kent Online, you can also see video of a new light and sound show at Rochester Cathedral. Space Voyage opened last night and aims to make visitors feel like they're leaving the planet. It's on for another two nights, but all 7,000 tickets sold out a couple of weeks. Mexico. Kent Online Sport. Football and it was a defeat for Gillingham in the EFL Trophy at Priestfield last night. Our reporter Luke Cordell was there. Last night's game against Ipswich Town was never going to be top of Gillingham's priority list. Um, the EFL Trophy is probably way down in the pecking order, but it was a good opportunity for some people to to show what they can do and maybe earn themselves a place in the side for Saturday against Wickham. Uh, a bit of a mixed bag on that score. I think there was some decent performances. Jack Tucker came back in and um, was decent at, at centre-back. Um, Young lad Bailey Akehurst is only a teenager, local lad. He, he did well against um, an, a decent player he was up against, really, on the wing for Ipswich. Ipswich made 11 changes to their team, but um, they're vastly resourced. And um, I think their their change team was probably as good as many teams in League One. So it was quite a, quite a challenge for Gillingham. But they, they didn't get the big decisions, um, unfortunately, from the match officials. Both goals, Ipswich won the game 2-0, both goals were questionably offside. Um, Joe Piggott got the first goal in the first half. Second goal was, I think second goal was more clearly offside. Um, there was a, a couple of penalty shouts as well. A big one on um, a foul on Charlie Kelman inside the box, which should have been a penalty. It wasn't given. So Gillingham will feel hard done by really against um, a decent Ipswich team who, who did, did probably, have, I mean, Ipswich probably had more chances, but there wasn't a lot in the game. Um, I know that I, I have spoken to the uh, Gillingham manager this morning and um, he certainly wasn't happy with some of those decisions that went against him. He's been, uh, he's been also the head of referees already um, and he's had an answer back and, and apparently the head of referees has, has agreed with him and said, yeah, there were a couple of offsides and um, a penalty that Gillingham shouldn't have had, but should have had. But um, it's all irrelevant now. Gillingham lost the game 2-0. It's still the group stage at the minute of the EFL Trophy, the Papa John's Trophy is sponsored at the minute. Um, all four teams in the the group of of one one game each, so it's all down to the the last set of fixtures really in that competition. Whoever wins goes through to the knockout stage. Gillingham are playing um, West Ham's under twenty ones in the next match, so um, they've got a chance of progressing. Whether they're that really fussed, they're probably not too fussed whether they go through or not. But um, it is a good opportunity to to play people on the fringes, people that haven't really had that much game time, the likes of Ollie Lee, Ben Reeves. Uh, Bailey Akehurst as well, who impressed. So it's a good good opportunity in some ways, but what they want to do is get through those games without any more injuries because Gillingham have got quite a few injuries that they're just um, taking care of. Um, they left their captain out last night, um, but there's no issues with him. He was just rested, as was uh, Alex McDonald and Vidane Oliver, the striker. They were, they were sort of kept out of the firing line, so they didn't pick up any more injuries. And they should be f- uh, sort of fresh to go for Wickham on Saturday. And in tennis, British number one Emma Raducanu has a bye through to the second round of the Indian Wells Open, which is getting underway. The 18-year-old from Bromley is making her first appearance since her Grand Slam victory in New York. Well, that's all for today. Thank you ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. 
This podcast is sponsored by Blue Butterfly, the go-to cocktail bar and place to meet on Earl Street, Maidstone. Bluebutterfly.co.uk